Now, it was a feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in, Solomon, on, in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? So that's verse 24. How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work do we uh, do, uh, uh, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. If he called them gods or judges to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you not say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world? You are blessed, uh, blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not do the works of my father, do uh, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though, you do not believe me, believe the works that you have that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of his hand. So verse 24, we see it says in, uh, is the question in verse 24, a reasonable question. Had Jesus give any reason for them to be in doubt? So verse 24 says, then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? So we see here that these people. Uh, how many people have you been around that you just can't convince? They're hard to convince. You, you, can, you, can, you can point them to the sky and the sky be blue and they'll say, nah, fam, the sky ain't blue. The sky is, is turquoise or orange or something like that. There's, we've all been around those kind of people. But sometimes in life, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're going to have people doubting you. And one thing that I love about Jesus was that he was confident. And who he was. And, and that should be permeating to us. So, for instance, um, and I kind of give a parallel. Jesus was talking about how um, I do the work of my father who sent me. Me and my father are one. And so when I, I, that analogy I can give you all is with my own daughter. And I know y'all probably like, man, he talk about his daughter all the time. But, you know, that's when I first got married. People was like, man, he talk about his marriage all the time. It's like, you know, when you're on a journey of a preacher, you, you, you jump in his journey, right? You jump in that person's journey. But, see, uh, when I was at... Um, christening house um it's funny how when i come around the corner my baby girl looks at me right and they'll laugh and say she's looking at her twin like she looks just like me my wife <laughs> poor thing she says um uh, people always say that you know uh, hannah looks just like you with a gloss of me i say how do you have a gloss of you that's my face on that face now she gets she got a it's funny how she got she looks like me but she's pretty like her mama right but but there's something about that. It's like no matter where she go in life, she's one with me. She has my blood in her. She has my features on her. And so what Jesus was saying was, when you see the father, you see me. I was begotten of the father. I, I was before the foundation of the world. I am him and him is me. And therefore, when you see me, you see he. Right. And the same 
DNA, the same essence that was in Christ is in us. That's why the Bible says when we're saved, we become joint heirs with Christ, meaning that we share in his heirness. We we share in his position. We're not equal to him, but we are positioned like him as sons and daughters of God. Right. And so that's beautiful because wherever you stand in life, you can be confident that the full Godhead and the fullness of the Godhead is with you. Right. And so this is something that's paramount about being a young believer is that there should be no doubts. Like, for instance, um, can someone tell me one thing they do well that it, that cannot be disproved? You you show up, you do this well. It can be disproven. It is you. Someone give me an example or two or three people. Something you do exceptionally well that nobody can say otherwise. Or something you do fairly well. Something you do kind of well. <laughs> I'm messing with you. It's early. Y'all just came back from y'all's uh, resurrection break. And y'all still not resurrected from your sleepiness. But uh, let's, for instance, say James. If I say, if I look at James and say, James can't jump. James can't dunk. And, I, and us Jews circle around James. <laughs> This man right here can't dunk. James going to say, have I not shown you? Have I not proven to you? And then James go, and he dunks in front of him like, we still don't believe. Show us plainly. That happens with Jesus in this, this, this verse. He's like, fam, I done healed the blind man. I done raised the dead. I done healed the sick. You don't seen all these people be the book of John said that if that, that there is no amount of books that can document everything that he did. And you still don't believe. And the thing about it is, is that a lot of us can have strong faith in good times. But when bad times come, will you doubt? And so Jesus is saying to all of us, he says, uh, uh, why do you doubt that I am who I say I am? And I was talking Sunday night to the young people, uh, 16, 18 year olds, and we were talking about how I asked a question. I said, who all in this room believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Oh, I do. Yeah, me too. People's high-fiving. People's hugging each other, crying. And I was joking. It wasn't happening. But they, they, they was elated. They was excited, right? And then I was like, that's very interesting because it's cool to say that you believe when everything's good, what happens, you know, the greatest test, I remember, I don't know if I told y'all this, there was a preacher who uh, staged uh, an event in his church. I don't know if I told y'all this, but he, he hired um, some officers to dress up as people that was going to shoot up the church, right? And as he was on the stage, congregation packed, people had their Bibles open, people was ready to receive the word, and then here come these men coming down the aisles with guns pointing at people and one guy comes up to the front and says I'll give I'll spare your life if you get up right now and walk out this church I will not kill you if you do not say that Jesus is Lord they said 90% of the congregation got up grabbed their babies hey Tom get the bag keys where the keys at left 
The pastor gets on stage and says, now we can have church. Because obviously here are the real Christians. The Bible says if you, if you, if you do not hate your mom and brother, the word hate in that text doesn't mean hate like, oh, I hate my mom. It means love less. Like if I don't love, if I love anybody above God, they will be used to cause some level of doubt, which would then cause me to get out. Right. That's real because I don't uh, right now. A Christian is being beheaded right now. Right now, somebody is going into a Christian's home, snatching the baby, snatching the women and killing the dad. Right now, there's underground churches with candle lits in caves in China and Afghanistan and Iran, like all these different countries. Like there's Christians being murdered. We're talking about concentration camps. We're talking about right now for what you believe in America. There's young people your age being massacred. Because of their faith. And back in the early church days, um, certain uh, uh, leaders, kings, pharaohs, government officials, what they did was there were people, lines of Christians. They, what they used to do in the early church was that to light Nero's garden, they'll put people on stakes. You ever been in a garden or a place where they had like poles and like right, right up here there's lights, right? They got lights. They used to put Christians on poles, light them up to light his garden. Do you know that Christians will sing to the guillotines to get their heads beat cut off? Like they had such joy where they was like, you know what? Absent from the body's presence with my Lord. Hey, like I don't even count my life. Like, like these were not just stories. These were real examples. And the dangerous thing is not being in faith where there's turmoil. The dangers in, in a Christendom is having faith where there's peace. Because when you have faith, when there's peace, you get comfortable. And then Christianity becomes a, a diluted thing. It becomes something that's done every day. And then when Christianity becomes diluted to being something that we take for granted, what happens when people want to take our lives for it? Then all of a sudden we'll be like, oh, but I got college, though. Like right now, right now, don't raise your hands, but think about this. Would you be upset if God was to come back today and you still had hopes to do stuff here? For instance, if you were an NBA player, imagine you just got the phone call. It's draft night. You got the phone call. Sacramento Kings talking to your agent right now and says, yeah, we, 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 we're going to get your, yeah, we're going, we want him. Yeah, 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 he's, he's going to fit for us. Uh, yeah. And before you get on the stage and you're about to shake Adam Sandler, no, not Adam Sandler, <laughs> Adam Silver's hand, the rapture happens. Would you be hurt? Or, ladies, you finally met the one. The door's open. He up there looking at you, tears in his eyes. He had to go like this. And you walking down the aisle. Walking down, your, your little niece done went up there with the flower girl. She done got the flowers. And the, 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 uh, the preacher says, and now you may kiss the bride. <laughs> you lean in. Boom, ratchet. You in the hospital room. And you and your wife, you and your husband been waiting to have a child. And, and the doctor's like, she's coming. We see the head. 
You hear the cry. And then, before, why they doctor about to hand you the baby? You and the baby go. <laughs> How would you feel? That's an honest question. Because there has to come a place where without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is who you love most. If not, then you're, then, then you're going to want to be here. Do you know you want to be so light that you can be raptured? If your heart is heavy for this world here, you won't be raptured from here. I'm not saying there's an all size fits all type of thing I'm saying, but there was gonna come, there's coming a time where I, have to, I had to become okay that one day he's going to come before I'm able to get something done. Do you know the day Jesus comes back, all of us will have still had hope to do something? One, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be somebody just about to get married. There's going to be somebody just got their dream car. Somebody that just made a million dollars. There's going to come a moment where the joys of this life is going to be shortened because of something even more magnificent. And if God is not glorified, if God is not beautiful to you, if salvation is not like, wow, like, like man, heaven is not an anticipating type of thing. Seeing your maker eye to eye is not something that you want to be a part of most or, or more than anything down here. Then you might just still be stuck here. That is why Satan's system is so grabbing at the emotions of everyone. Like, no, stay here. The Bible says, uh, uh, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man or woman loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And if this is in you, the love of the Father is not in you. Now, where else in the Bible are those three things seen? Lust of the flesh. Number one, lust of the flesh. Two, lust of the eye. And three, pride of life. Where else in the Bible? There's two areas that this is in the Bible. Before we get to that, let's talk about, let's break down the first part. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man or woman loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, love not the world. Love means, that, and that text means to desire most. Like, that's why I love the verse. I, was, I don't know if I write this in my book or I was talking to somebody. But it was like, man, what's the verse, Lord? It was, um... Oh, uh, the Bible says be salt and light. The Bible says be salt of the what? Huh? The Bible says be, be the salt of the earth, light in the world. Why do you think he separated earth and world? The earth is the Lord's the fullness thereof, right? So God made the earth. God still owns the earth. Like the devil don't got the lease or the deed to the earth. The earth is the Lord's. The mountains are still his. God, God still owns the trees. God still owns every cattle on a thousand hills. God owns everything made in this earth. That's why the Bible says be salt of the earth. Salt of the earth means what is salt? What does salt do? And what is the analogy or the metaphor that they're trying to use for salt in this text? Be the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Well, it could be, it could be two or three. I think it's, uh, yeah, it could be whatever you think salt does. What does salt do? Flavor. Yep. What else? Dissolves. Dissolves. Yep. 
What else? It heals, yeah. And it's one more I'm looking for. They, 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 we don't do it now. Well, some chefs do it. But, um, pre- say, preserves. Yeah, there we go. So what the Bible is saying, when he says be salt of the earth, and what I'm going to talk about that is that, man, where was I going with the earth? Um, anyway, we'll go down this path anyway. So when it says being salt, that means the earth is the fullness of of the Lord. That means the earth. Anything, earth also could be metaphorically as the original creation of everything. So, for instance, salt as flavor. Christians were meant to be the most flavorable people on the planet. Do you know we're the reasons why we're even reading right now? We were the ones that created the trans, uh, the what's the printing press thing that printed books. We're the ones that ended up, uh, the, the, uh, the, the genocide massacres back in the day of babies. We're the ones responsible for education. We're the ones responsible for modern day music. And the Bible says be the head not to tell. But it's funny how Christians or Christian culture desires to be like the world versus being the lights of the world. Like when you hear when you hear, your, when you know, when you go in the car with your grandma or you're in the car with your mom and they turn on that gospel station <laughs> and you'd be like, Man, they why they why they got that rapper there? Why they got why they trying to get the world over here? Like like all of music is hanging or sitting on the foundation of hymns. Like like we were meant to be the flavor. And that's why like for instance, like um does does typically does when mom or dad cook, do they usually cook with just one seasoning? They well, name some seasonings that they usually put together. Cajun, you got Cajun seasoning. If you want that Louisiana stuff, flavor, what else they kind of add into the pot? Huh? Lemon pepper. If you want the lemon pepper wings, what else do they add? What other seasons out there? Black pepper. What else out there? Salt. Salt. Yep. What else? Lowry's. What else? Mrs. Dash. What else? Slap your mama. Uh, slap your mama. Yeah, all that. Old Bay. So imagine if there was only one seasoning. So for instance, People in New Orleans, they may not like the seasons up north. They got this. So what I'm saying is Christians were meant to be flavorable. Like we're supposed to be a particular type of taste. Like what flavor as. So what does flavor do? Why do we want flavorable things? A better taste. Right. So we're supposed to give a better taste in education. We're supposed to give a better taste in the arts. We're supposed to give better taste in athletics. We were meant to give a better taste wherever we are at. And when we are originals, then we can be salt and flavorful. Also, it dissolves, meaning that, that whatever is frozen on people that, that hinders the path, we can dissolve that. It heals. They used to put salt on people to heal. So we're supposed to be healing tools. And last but not least, we were meant to preserve salt of the earth. God wants us to be that to where we are preserving uh, what it means to be a, a Christian teen or a husband, a wife or a father or a mother or preserving the family, preserving the nations. Right. So I say all to say that God says that that he is the earth is still his. But when the Bible says love, not the world, the world represents what? Earth is the original. 
the world is the what? It's the systems. It's the system. So the world system is how culture, like culture, <clears throat> music, arts, politics, the world's way of governing itself, which is perverted and contaminated by the satanic order, right? So that's why the Bible says love not the world. I'm not supposed to love the way the world sees love. I'm not supposed to love or desire the way the world desires money. I'm not supposed to love it that way, right? It says love not the world, neither things that are in the world, because if any man or woman loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. But all that's in the world is lust of the flesh, lust of the pride. So now we're back on the path. Where else in the Bible are those three things uh, uh, seen? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Think about it. Garden of Eden is number one. The Bible says when she looked and saw that it was good for food, lust of the the flesh, Eve, food. It looked like you can make one wise. Lust of the eye. Pride of life. Uh, uh, Hold on. Lust of the flesh, it was uh, good good for food. It looked good, and it was enough to make one wise. So pride of this life. No, that's not it. Let's look at it. Genesis 3. Missing something. Missing something. Uh, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and it was a tree desirable to make one wise, pride of his life. So that's there. What's the second place that we find lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life? One happened in the garden, the other happened in the wilderness. What happened in the wilderness? Who was tempted in the wilderness? Jesus. So the Bible talks about how, what was the first temptation the devil threw at Jesus? Bread. So bread is what? Food. What's the second temptation? No, nah, that's that's the last. That's the last one. That's the last one. Yeah. What did he say? Like jump off the cliff and the angels Yeah. So spectacle. Lust of the flesh. The Bible says Satan was like, um, I know you're hungry. Imagine Satan just walking around Jesus talking, about, man. Hey, G, you lost about 30 pounds. <laughs> Jesus, man, I got these Bojangles biscuits right here, Jesus. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He was just saying, like, you see those stones? Turn that into a good Bowberry biscuit, Jesus. Jesus, go on, turn that thing into cinnamon biscuits. Buttermilk biscuit, Jesus. Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what did he say? The reason why he didn't fall for that temptation lust of the flesh is because he is the bread of life. 
So he canceled that temptation because of who he is. The second one, Satan said, oh, that's good. <laughs> okay. That man ain't going to eat. All right. So he took Jesus to a high uh, uh, building, the top of a building on a mountain or something like that. And he says, doesn't the word say, Jesus, that if you jump off of this mountain, would not God make sure, not the angels make sure that you won't even stump your toe? What Satan was trying to do with Jesus was build popularity without being placed on the cross. If Jesus would have, because that, Jesus was smart enough to know that if I did jump off, the angels would pop off and then it would be clearly seen that I'm Jesus, the son of God. What that would have done was it would have made a bunch of people like, oh, snap, 15,000 angels. We talking about that's how valuable he was. That's how precious he was. He was God, the father, for instance. Who's seen coming to America? The first one. This ain't the wrong, like the wrong, wrong group. You weren't allowed to watch? Well, we'll go somewhere. For instance, my daughter at college. Oh, who's seen Taken? And uh, the girl got snatched or whatever. No, and no, she was up under the bed on the phone with her dad. She gets snatched. He calls the phone back and he was like, <laughs> And he was like, I got a special set of skills. And what else did he say? I know that he said that uh, he was saying that he was going to come get her. Ooh. <laughs> Boy, let something happen. Let someone snatch my daughter. <laughs> Boy, I'm bringing everything I got, right? So God was saying, God knew, the son knew that if I jump off this cliff, heaven had no choice <laughs> to come down, not with one angel, Thousands of angels would have came down and be like, yo, put him on his feet. <laughs> we can't have my man's hurt because we, we don't want him hurt like AD. <laughs> we don't want him hurt like Giannis. <laughs> we don't want him hurt like Ja. We go, right, hold on, Jesus, calm down, bro. We got you. But what that would have done was it would have made a bunch of people believe but not be changed. Can someone still believe that James can dunk, but still hate James? Can someone believe that you are a great artist, but still despise you? People can still believe, but they don't want your message. So what Jesus was saying was, he said, man, tempt not the Lord thy God. So the way he was saying was, I'm not going to put the whole, God, the whole everything of creation in jeopardy because I want to be seen. Last but not least, the devil did what? <clears throat> the devil said, man, listen. You see New York. You see Chicago. L.A., Lagos. Singapore. Beijing. Dubai. Vegas. If you bow down to me, all of them yours. The pride of life. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. So what we're seeing here is that the world, if you love it, and not even love it, lust for it, then you'll try to make stone into bread. You'll try to be seen before your time. 
and you will bow down and worship Satan. Now, people, when they talk about selling their souls, they think that <clears throat> selling your soul means <laughs> you got your soul with a price tag on it. And they, they think that they just take your soul up out of you and purchase it and you don't have no soul no more. Selling your soul means I'm selling my morals. I'm selling my, my real, I'm selling my raw self away for Satan's kingdom. There's two ways to sell your soul. People sell their soul in blood like, yo, Satan, I'm down with you. We good. Let's do this. Selling your soul subconsciously is when you submit yourself and sacrifice yourself to, to this world system. You're selling your soul because right now one or one or one of the two entities Good or bad, evil or good, heaven or hell is using you right now. Right now, I got to ask me how much of heaven is using me and how much of hell is using me. Right now, my soul is being sold. My soul is being used for one or two kingdoms. You got to say at the bulk of my actions, the bulk of my thoughts, the bulk of my deeds. Are they being placed on the altar of Satan or placed at the cross of Jesus? That's something you got to think about. And so what we're saying here is that, <clears throat> what are we saying here? What was our main point? We were talking about uh, doubting. So Jesus has to be so real to you that no matter what happens in front of you, you still believe. Gee, have not God proven to you that he's faithful? You know, the issue is, and I think I said this to you all, I don't know if I said this to you all, I say this all, a lot of times, is that the reason why we lack faith in God is because we only measure God based upon the big things he do for us. If God doesn't come through here, if God doesn't come through here, if God doesn't come through here, I doubt it. What are some peak things that people wait for God for that are big things? They're like, all right, man, God, I'm believing. They, they, they pray many nights believing God to do something. What are those three things? Big things that people believe God to do. That most people say, oh, okay, I'll believe God if he did this for me. It could be anything. I'm not even looking for anything specific. Do you know that situation? Jail, situation, or something like that. What's the other thing? Heal a family member? What else? Last one. Anything. Grand their desires. Grand desires. Give me an example of a desire someone most people want to be granted. Yeah, money. Gotcha. <laughs> so imagine you prayed for weeks. And the situation didn't change. Your mom and daddy, family was still not healed. And you're still broke. Do you know how many people lose faith in God because those things don't happen? But the Bible says his ways not our ways, his thoughts not our thoughts. So what they say, what that text is saying, what if God is not the re, do you know the reason why God doesn't change our situations? Because he's using that situation to change us. So we're praying our blessing away. 
I used to pray, man, why we have to be an apartment to apartment? Why do we have to live in the hood? Why do we have to do this and go through that? Man, I used to be mad at God sometimes. Like, why is my situation not changing? But then in hindsight being 2020, I said the situation changed me. Secondly, a family member not healed, people get mad at God, but then people don't know that grandmama sneaking in boxes of chicken every night. Mama eating Twinkies every night. My grandma, mama, mama ain't trying to be healed. And so we out there mad at God for something that a person ain't even trying to really change in their life. Or God, you know, grant my desire to be rich. And God be like, you're not even rich in spirit. You're not rich in soul. And if you ain't rich in those areas, you ain't going to be able to hold no riches. But if you change your mindset... Instead of looking at the big peaks, you look at the little peaks. Now, what does this represent? Hmm? Hmm? Something like that. All this is God's goodness. We measure by big peaks, not little peaks. What's a little big peak that we that happens every day that we should be thanking God for? Little big peaks. Waking up. That's a little big peak. We're so used to waking up, we don't know the miracle of waking up. <laughs> Do you know somebody didn't wake up? Thousands upon thousands, if not millions of people, did not wake up this morning. Do you know how many thousands of people caused hell to be enlarged because they woke up this morning? Whoa. And God gave you another chance. Little big P. What's another little big P? Getting home safely. Somebody intended to go home. Merged too early in the lane. Truck, trailer, truck took him out. Gone. Every time I take, you know, when I get home, open the door, turn the alarm off, take the shoes off. I'm like, man, I'm home again. <laughs> you know how many times I fell asleep behind the wheel? Chris was in the car with me one time. We was at the light for like an extra t- three seconds. I was. There's been times where I'm falling asleep and I'm in the lane over here. Some way, like the bumpers on the bumpers of a bowling alley, guided me home when I should have been gone. So when I get home and I realize I fell asleep three or four times on the way home, God, thank you. <laughs> Little big peek. What's another little big peak? <laughs> huh? Bre- breathing. That's the littlest, biggest peak. <laughs> it's breathing. We're so used to breathing, we don't understand the value of receiving air. Like, like that's why, everybody take a deep breath. That's a miracle. Somebody is in the hospital. <gasps> Gone. Little big peaks, man. So if we measure God by the little big peaks versus the selfish big peaks, then we will not move our feet off the position of him being our savior. So what's all the evidence that Jesus personally has shared or shown you that he's faithful to you? 
that if you are on your wedding day and you see that young man that you've been waiting for and you about to kiss him and he comes back, you'd be like, you cool, but God is greater. Adam Silver looking you eye to eye. And his eyes are wide because you are the next face of the league. <laughs> Adam done told you, man, once you make it to the league, man, after LeBron, we're going to pass the whole league to you. And right when you walk across that stage, you shake his hand, Jesus come back, you and be like, man, I get to shake Jesus' hand. Bump Adam Silver. There's going to come a day, man, that you got to say no matter what I miss out on down here. Ain't even close to what my eyes will see when I see him. That is something that you have to do. If not, then when it's time to make a decision for him, you won't. The Bible says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. I do not want to stand before God and God be like. I don't want you to look back at his father and be like, should we let him in? <laughs> I think they petty. If I was God, you're not like us. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But if he was petty, <laughs> Jesus would be like, gosh, I let this fool in. <laughs> hey, hey, man, did that man deny us like 15 times down there? <laughs> hey, man, did that man, it was June 10th, 2043. This man denied me. All of us, should we let this man in? <laughs> God, like, no, nah, don't let that fool in. <laughs> and then push the button, you slide down. A little little slidey slide thing, shit in hellfire. Nah, man. Put a gun to my. I told, I told, I told my wife. I said, if they ever say they kidnapping me and they taking me in the concentration camp, or someone put a gun to my face, I'm gonna put my head right on that gun like this. Go ahead, bro. Do it. <laughs> Do it. I'm not denying him. Cause one of two things gonna happen. I said this in front of y'all. I said this in front of somebody. If the bullet goes through. Good for me. I get to go to sleep in heaven. <laughs> I get to get my chicken and waffles. Pterodactyl wings. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Give me the buckets, Lord. <laughs> I'm in glory now. <laughs> but if that bullet, if that bullet don't go through, it's a sad day for you. So, what I'm all, what am I trying to say? You gotta love him more than anything, without a shadow of a doubt. Any questions, thoughts, comments? Everybody's good? All right, we're done, we're done.